The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, today we celebrate the Feast of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Which really is a feast of great joy. And in many ways, it's a feast of great mercy. A feast of great mercy. In the first reading from the book of Genesis, we hear this story of the fall and how Adam and his wife eat of the fruit. And then the Lord goes to look for them. And we start to see immediately the consequences of sin in their lives. The Lord goes to Adam and he says, where are you? And he says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. 
When John Paul II reflects on those words, he says that Adam indicates the effect so as to avoid the cause. He indicates the effect so as to avoid the cause. So he talks about the effect. The effect is I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And somewhere in talking about the effect, he's avoiding admitting to the Lord what he had done. He doesn't say, I ate the fruit you told me not to eat, and I feel really ashamed, and so I'm trying to avoid you right now. And that's one of the consequences of original sin that we all experience is that kind of shame that leads us to hiding from God and hiding from others. The kind of shame that leads us to point to the effect so as to avoid the cause. And we do that all the time. What's going on with you? You look really off today. I'm just really tired. I'm not going to tell you I was up watching Netflix till 2 in the morning. I'm just really tired. Talk about the effect so as to avoid the costs. I remember once in high school, I, one time I kind of snuck out and came home really late the next morning and I was really tired and I remember my dad talking to me and I'm like, I feel kind of sick today. Why? What's going on? I just feel kind of sick. Point to the effect so as to avoid the cause. And then there's the blame shifting that goes on also when he points to the woman gave the fruit to me. And then the woman says, well, the serpent told me to eat it. And so this rupture leads to hiding. Hiding from God and hiding from others. Not taking responsibility which we really might also call an inability to admit who we are. An inability to admit who we are. And then God created Mary. So immediately after the fall, the Lord does some things. First, the Lord indicates the cause And he says to Adam, so you ate the fruit I told you not to eat. He wants Adam to be sure that the Lord knows exactly what he did. And then he promises a redeemer. He promises a redeemer. He says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will strike at your head while you strike at his heel. And Mary is the fulfillment of that promise. Many times we see pictures of Mary or statues of Mary where she's stepping on the serpent. Because her yes to the Lord kind of untied the knot that was tied by Eve.
and in her person in the Immaculate Conception, that state of being preserved from original sin or redeemed from the moment of her creation, allows her to know exactly who she is in front of the Lord. When the angel comes and he says, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. She's troubled by the greeting. When he goes on to explain how she will conceive and bear a son, she says, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And she becomes for us a sign of what we're all supposed to become through the process of our own conversion and transformation of heart. That we all make this journey from that kind of state of shame and original sin and hiding from others and hiding from God and blaming the effects instead of taking responsibility for the cause. We're all called to move from that place into this place of knowing who we are, knowing that we are beloved. That we're the handmaid of the Lord. And sometimes when we think about this and we talk about Mary's Immaculate Conception, I know for me, I used to just get really jealous of her. Like, she had it so easy. She never had temptations like we have temptations. She didn't have this kind of shame. She didn't have this inherited rupture within herself. And of course, she could always say yes to God. And sometimes when we give those homilies, you know, and we say, like, be like the Holy Family, and all the women are like, I wasn't conceived without sin. (laughs) And we can sort of feel that way. But there's also space to be really in awe and marvel and admire and be in wonder over the fact that God did give her that privilege. And to consider the fact that because she's preserved from original sin, she has perfect empathy. Like perfect empathy. We who struggle with sin, we don't have perfect empathy. Like a married couple, when You know, they want to say, I feel really hurt right now. They just kind of like yell at the other person. And then that person, instead of having empathy and saying, oh my gosh, you seem so hurt right now. How can I help you? They're like, well, listen to my problems. My life's so bad. My life's even worse. We don't have perfect empathy, but she always has perfect empathy, which means she feels the feelings of other people. Her suffering was a suffering that she felt with perfect empathy, the suffering of her son. And she carried that with her. When Jesus gave her to us to be our mother, that means she has perfect empathy for us in our weaknesses, in our own sinfulness, in our own pain, in our own wounds. And she's able to comfort us in that because she knows how it feels when we suffer. And if that's really true, then 
Her state of being preserved from original sin isn't anything to be jealous of, but rather to be in awe of. Because that means she truly knows how to respond to us. How to carry us with her so that she can lead us to the redemption, to the grace and love and mercy given to us in Jesus. So that our hearts can truly be transformed to be like hers. And through that process of transformation then, we too can be greeted with the greeting, hail full of grace. Because we've all been called to that kind of holiness, that kind of union with our Lord, that kind of trust in our Lord. And so today let us pray through her intercession that Mary, our mother, will show us how to be in relationship with Jesus. That our hearts may truly be transformed. That we too will be so full of grace that that grace spills over into the lives of other people in our families and our workplaces. in the world that we live in each day.